Good morning, New Life Manitou. Would you please stand for the reading of the scripture? We will be reading out of Romans 16, 17 through 20, and 25 through 27. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them, for such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I rejoice because of you. But I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ, in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith, to the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. Lord, we thank you that you are the one who will crush Satan under our feet. You are the one, Lord, that, that we take authority in your name, Jesus, and we say every evil thought, everything, every distraction that is not of you, Jesus, we, we command to be gone. Lord, we thank you. We praise your holy name. You are good and wonderful. Lord, we bless you. You are the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all God's people shouted, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Today, we are concluding our Romans book study. This is chapter 16. 16 weeks ago, it was a warm, hot August 8th morning, and now it is a warm December morning. 16, 16 weeks later, we are concluding this series, and it, it has been one of those wonderful things. I think we will, as a congregation, look back and say, remember when we studied the book of Romans? There's this famous children's author, if I said his name, you would all know it. He said this, sometimes you never know the value of a moment until it becomes a memory. Have you heard this? So I wonder if now, I'm not trying to force this into our memory, but I wonder, like looking back years from now, we will look back and say, oh yeah, I remember when we studied the book of Romans, when we were just a early church meeting in Manitou, we were just meeting and it was, we hadn't been meeting that long and here we are, friends and family looking back. So here we are closing this series out and Paul in this last chapter, he mentions 40 people, 4-0, 40 people by name in these 27 verses. And so Paul is just saying good goodbyes and there's yet these two nuggets and we read, Danae read for the, us those two nuggets in this gospel, in, in this book of Romans about the gospel. And that's what I wanna, when Paul lists all these names, he lists people by name and I had this thought this week as I was thinking about this passage and reading it through, and I can't even pronounce half of the 40 plus names that Paul said, but I had this thought that Paul in this story is, is literally calling out people's names. I had this thought, and maybe it's a prophetic vision, that, that we this morning might be listening for our own names to be called, not in a literal sense like Paul was writing, but in a spiritual sense that we would be open to the Lord, listening and waiting for him to call upon 
our names because we are a part of this great story. We are a part of the kingdom of God that was established and Jesus came in and, and, and we can look back and say, yes, Jesus came in real time, in real space on this earth. And here we are 2000 plus years from that event saying, yes, these same mysteries are true. We are called into the story. So if you're taking notes, write down this first note. Uh, there's four points this morning. The first point is this, that the gospel is God's gift of grace making us righteous. We're going to do a quick review of the book of Romans, and no other book of the Bible talks as much about the gospel as the book of Romans does. Eleven times in this book that's just 16 chapters, Paul has huge writings, huge paragraphs about what the gospel is. Paul writes in about 54 AD, he's writing for, from Corinth to the city of Rome, it's not a trick question. He's writing to Rome, to the Romans, and he's saying things like, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Do you remember that on week one, day one? Paul says in chapter one, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, even though seemingly there could be reason to be ashamed of this gospel. I am not ashamed because it is the power of, of God for salvation, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. So Paul says all of this stuff. He says what the gospel is in Rome, to Rome. He's, he's not that yet there. He's writing a letter because he's headed that way. And he's writing to the capital of this city that was just the, the mega center of all things Roman. And Paul is writing at the height of the Roman Empire. We can look at the strength of the Roman Empire. We can look at the architecture. Has anybody in here ever been to Rome, the city, and seen like there's still to this day some buildings standing of Rome and this huge metropolis of what was this ancient city and they must have thought, our kingdom, this empire will never end. The strength of Rome and, and pulled this attitude of pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps was, was of the utmost importance. I'm going to try this. All right, we're, we're going. Um, do you want to hear the story of, of the mythology story of how Rome started? So if you don't know the story, maybe some of you have taken Roman history, there, there's this mythology that, that two brothers, two twin brothers were born and the father didn't like them. So they left these two little babies out in the woods. And these two little babies, even at the baby stage of babiness, pulled themselves out up from their own bootstraps, as the saying goes, and found a wolf to nurse them. And so there's this iconic image of these two twin boys fighting each other to suckle on a wolf. <laughs> That's the image of the foundation of Rome. And, and, and their names were Romulus. Keep that name in mind. Rome, Romulus, and Remus. And when they get a little bit older, these boys started fighting over whose land was whose. And one boy kills his other brother. And, and his name was Romulus, Rome, kills Remus and founds Rome. And the Roman people are like, yay, that's our story. What? Like, what a horrible, vicious, just ungodly story. And so Paul writes to these people, these Romans, who in their mythology are just pulling themselves up by their own bootstraps and conquering the world, the fierceness, the ferociousness, the strength, the brutality of Rome. Paul says to this culture, you think you're in control. You think you own the world and you think your empire will never end. But guess what? Guess who is really in charge? 
God, the creator of all, he is in charge. And this is actually good news that you don't have to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, but God himself will make you righteous. You don't have to make yourself righteous, but God will make you righteous. By way of reminder and review, going back through Romans, all these 16 weeks that we have taken a chapter per week, Paul opens up talking about the gospel. He says he's not ashamed of the gospel in chapter one. Chapter three, he introduces that we, uh, that there is a righteousness apart from doing your own good, and that righteousness is by faith. Remember Romans chapter four says that Abraham was credited uh, to him as righteousness because he had faith. And then Romans six says this, this, this reminder, once again, that the wages of Sin is death, but the the gift of God is eternal life. And Romans 5, another reminder, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And Paul's saying, yes, just have faith. So chapter 10 in Romans, confess with your mouth, believe with your heart that God raised him from the dead, and you will be saved. And Romans 10 is also everyone who calls Upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I hear, I hear, thank you for being here. It's like, wow, yes, we're reviewing. We've done this. We've been there. Romans 12, so then, like if this is how it works, if God is the one who is in control, and if only in our faith in him we are credited as righteous, then Paul says, Romans 12, then, then offer your bodies as living sacrifices, and we should even glory in our own sufferings, as Romans 5 tells us to do. Romans 8 then says, God works for the good of all those who love him. And this surely is good news, especially in this culture, especially in this time. And I think there's a lot to compare our culture in our time to this ancient Roman world and all that they had and their uh, violence and their strength and, and thinking that their empire would never end. Maybe some of that is going on today, the violence and the strength of America that, oh, the, we'll always be the best and the greatest. And, and the Lord might be saying, as he did to Rome, actually, Actually, the Lord is in charge. He is the one who, who says, um, uh, what, who receives faith. He is the one who we can come to with our faith and he bestows upon us righteousness. So let's look at chapter 16. If you would turn to Romans 16 and chapter one, or chapter 16, verse one says this, uh, it gets in right into, uh, commending a sister Phoebe, which brings us to this next point. If you're taking notes that Paul's goodbyes invite us into the story. Paul's goodbyes invite us into the story. Into what story? God's story, the kingdom of God. Like we, we, us, New Life Manitou, what year is this? 2017? Like we are being invited into the story because Paul uses all these proper names and, and I think because he said, called people out by name, he is then today, the Lord calling us by name and we can be invited in. There's over 40 names in, that are stated here by Paul. It, in my mind, gives me a sense that it's like this apologetic argument. You know what apologetics is? Apologetics is a study of how we defend our faith. And there's this great uh, apologetic argument that says, um, it, it kind of comes against people who say, well, I think Jesus lived in history. I think a lot of people, I'm just thinking about people who don't believe, don't go to church. They say, well, Jesus probably lived in history 
and he was probably a good guy, but some of those stories about him, like his resurrection or the miracles, they just were probably just like mythology, right? And to that we would say, well, no, like there are real places and real names in the story of Jesus, and there wasn't enough time for Jesus to die, to rise again, for those first eyewitness people accounts to see him rise from the dead, and then then for them to tell that story, there wasn't enough time for mythology to develop, like the story of Romulus and Remus, that was like a 300-year-old story that had grown upon, that people added details and made it more and more interesting, whereas the story of Jesus is being told like that day, like that Sunday when he rose from the dead, there was people proclaiming this is true, and there was other people saying, yes, I saw him too, and here we are in this book of Romans, Paul lists 40 names, and some of these people may have been eyewitness accounts of Jesus himself. Some of these people were probably eyewitness, uh, eyewitness accounts of friends who had seen Jesus themselves. This is an invitation into the story. So Paul writes, he closes out this letter in chapter 16, verse one, saying, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church of Centria. I ask to I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people to give her uh, any help she may need from you, for she has been the benefactor, like someone who, who supports financially, of many people, including me. So Paul ends his letter by, by saying, here's Phoebe, you know, greet her, uh, give her anything she needs. She's a deacon in the church. You know what that Greek word deacon means? Anybody? Oh, this is a good question for you then, a little Jeopardy question. It means, you know, yeah, servant or slave. So a deacon means slave or a servant. Here she is. She's a servant in the church. And some denominations, uh, Christian denominations, uh, have like uh, these these roles of deacon. If you're like you're a deacon in the church, then you have this certain role. In fact, to talk about that for just a, a quick rabbit trail. Are you okay with a quick rabbit trail? Uh, so a month ago, it's kind of a sad story, but it ends up being okay. This girl's doing great now. But uh, a couple months ago, we had an event at New Life, and this girl worked... Uh, she was a young girl in, in uh, the, I think our high school ministry helped. She helped with the high school ministry. She was helping all day at this event. She got to talking with people. In the course of this day, uh, she began to share with some of the other girls she was helping and volunteering with that uh, she was presently cutting herself like that day. And she was even thinking about suicide. And so these girls did the right thing. They're like, well, we need to get help. They, they brought me into the situation. I was just like a passerby. And I was like, oh, uh, so I started talking with this girl and asking her what was going on. She said, yes, uh, I'm, I'm thinking about suicide. I have a plan. And that's that's red flags as a pastor. Like what we do is we, we, we say, okay, we need to bring you to the hospital if you are suicidal and you have a plan. Or if you're not willing to go, then we need to call 911 and get the police who will come and help you get into a better state in your right mind. So that's what you do, by the way. Uh, so we the, this girl was willing to go to the hospital. So these girls rallied. They brought her to the hospital. Um, and, and there was another woman at New Life, a staff member who knew this girl, who was her mentor. And so I was, I was like, oh, you know so-and-so? Yeah, they're in the hospital. Yeah, she's not doing very good. She's, she's brought in. She's very suicidal. She's very depressed. She's not doing good right now. And she said, oh, I, I need to go and I need to visit her. And I said, yeah, you should go and you should visit her. And I said, well, I, I kind of I, you know, do this a lot as a pastor. And I said, they probably won't let you see her 
unless you're like a pastor in the church and you're not a pastor yet. She's actually, she's actually on the on the, the track to become a pastor. She, she's on New Life staff. And I said, they, they won't let you in unless you're a pastor or you're a deacon. And so I said, I hereby declare <laughs> that you are a servant in the church. And she had her New Life badge. She, I, I felt with full confidence uh, that, that she is a deacon in our church. Like we don't really do that whole deacon thing. Do we, Scott? I mean, we do elder things. Scott's our elder. Um, so I, I hereby declare you a deacon. And, and then it worked. Like she had her new life badge. She went in with authority. I mean, that, with every right. She, she's this girl's mentor. And she said she's a deacon up at New Life Church. And so she got in and got to see this woman. So anyways, uh, Phoebe is a deacon in the church. Thank you for that uh, listening to my rabbit trail. Um, Phoebe's a deacon in the church, a servant in the church, and he goes right from Phoebe to talk about Priscilla and Aquila. Sounds like uh, two women's names, but, but one's a woman and one's a man. Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ, they risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Like, what a, what a tagline to be put upon your name. And greet also the church that meets in their house. So it's always interesting, uh, the- theologians look at this passage and they say, why in the world in an ancient, uh, like man driven world of the ancient Roman world was the wife's name listed first, Priscilla and Aquila. And we would say, isn't, wasn't that the culture back then to, uh, that the men had the leadership role and the women were to be crushed under society and, and say, well, maybe that did happen in the Roman empire, but not in the church. Like here's Paul commending Priscilla, this servant, this coworker before her own husband's name. And I don't want to read into that too much, but I do want to honor. And P- Paul, the first person he honors, is it a male or female? Female, a Phoebe, a sister, a deaconess, as it's sometimes translated. And Priscilla, another woman, a wife, and Aquila. Just Paul is giving honor to the women in our church, and, and I think we should do the same here. Like, New Life Manitou would not be New Life Manitou if it were not for the servants who are women in this church. I think just downstairs, all our kids are down there. There's like three or four women looking after our kids, and, and not just looking after them. We don't just do childcare. We do uh, a lesson. There's like a lesson on the wall, and they go, through this lesson and even the kids have to do five minutes of like contemplative quiet time. I have four little boys and I don't know how that happens down there, but every week it does. It's a miracle. And so we commend, we, we honor our women servants in the church. And just to, just to, to honor, I think about, um, how it is that Paul says all these different names, all these servants in the church, is there not a, a better way of life than to be a servant in the church? Isn't that, I'm just thinking about us as, as believers in this church, and years from now, we'll look back and say, I, I served at New Life Manitou. I was a part of this thing, and wasn't it great? Wasn't it a wonderful addition to my life to be a servant in a church, to be partnered with what the Lord was doing here and now in a congregation? I think that's just wonderful. Here's uh, 27 verses is chapter 16. 45 names are listed, and each one of these names have like a little sentence by them. Uh, One person that says, so-and-so stood the test. So-and-so, they are a servant of the Lord. So-and-so worked hard for the church. So-and-so, and all these little one-line sentences about all these different people in chapter 16. I think about uh, our men's ministry. A couple weeks ago, Craig, he's, he's, 
uh, I think he's outside. He's our, uh, not only is our men's leader, he's also our new life safety volunteer. So I think he's right outside so I could brag about him while he's not in here. He won't get embarrassed. But two weeks ago, he sent out a message to all the men who are a part of our men's ministry in the church, uh, maybe like to 15 or so men. And, and next to every single name, he gave an encouraging kind of prophetic word about who they are in Christ. Like, thank you so much, uh, so-and-so. You bring this to our men's group. Thank you so much, uh, so-and-so. When, when you're there, the whole room lights up and, and we know uh, that the Lord is with us. And thank you so much, so-and-so, because the, the story and the testimony that you bring is so powerful. And I just thought, that's the church being the church, encouraging each other. I know I could be quicker to encourage fellow believers, and, and that's something I can grow in. So this next point, second to the last, let's get into what, what Paul says, these two nuggets uh, of, of wisdom and truth as Paul lists all these names. And the main point here is that divisions and obstacles are not of the kingdom of God. Divisions and obstacles are not of the kingdom of God. This is Paul's last uh, little writing in chapter 16 before he closes uh, this book. And he says he urges us. There's three times in the book of Romans that Paul urges us. He says he urges us to pray early on in the book. He urges us in Romans 12 to live our lives, uh, present our bodies as living sacrifices. And finally here, he urges us brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put away obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them, for such people are not serving our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of the naive people. Everyone who everyone has heard about your obedience, so I rejoice because of you, but I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. So Paul warns us about people who use flattery and deceit to corrupt the minds of the naive. Have you, has anybody in here ever been conned out of money? <laughs> and if you don't raise your hand, you probably have and you didn't even know it. Uh, I was traveling, uh, it seems like tourists are kind of just the markers for, for like people to get conned. And I was, I've been conned a couple times. Uh, but one time I was traveling with uh, another pastor, Evan Martin. Uh, he's planted a church in Denver now. He's doing great. Uh, and we went to Egypt and we were going to go check on this team. It was a college ministry mission trip was there, this team of people were there. We flew into the airport. He was working on return flights home and my job was to go change money and then get a taxi. So I changed money. It was a large chunk of money. It was my money, his money, and some money for the team. And so I had a bunch of money and I changed it into the Egyptian pound and I changed it and I went to go get the taxi and Evan was over by the by the ticket office. So I had like 45 minutes. It ended up being 45 minutes of talking with this taxi guy and we were chit-chatting and he was just a smooth talker. He said, welcome to my country, bro brother. And it was going on and on about how great America is. And I was like, yeah, it is great. It's a great country. And I was showing him pictures of my family. He was showing me pictures of his family. We got then into talking about religious stuff. He said he was a Muslim and I was a Christian. And I began to tell him about the message of 
Jesus and the gospel, and he just seemed so attentive, and looking back, he really wasn't. He was just kind of smooth talking to me, but he was so interested in what I had to say and was going on and on about how great my faith was, and so on and so forth. And after talking with somebody for 45 minutes, I kind of let my guard down, and so he said, I said, how much is the taxi? He said, oh, 20 American dollars, and so I had a, I started to pull a 20 out. He said, no, why don't you pay me in the Egyptian money? And I said, well, how much is that? And he just quoted a number. Like I, 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 I let my guard down, and he's. I was like, "How much is twenty dollars in the Egyptian money?" And he quoted a number, so I gave him that amount. And he's like, I know. I got into a taxi, left with me and Evan, and we're almost all the way to the airport. And I started like counting and like thinking about like what was the, what was that exchange rate again? And it turned out that twenty dollar taxi ride cost about uh, somewhere around two hundred and ninety dollars. <laughs> It's like, no, he deceived me and he got me. And I was so upset. Like, I can't tell, like that kind of thing really bugs me. And Evan was just like, Joe, let it go. This is going to ruin your whole trip. Like he knew enough about, I was just like playing it over and like, like screaming in my mind. It's like, how did I, I'm so dumb. How did I let this happen? And, and he just let it go. It's, you know, it's, it's not that much in the grand scheme of things. It's not worth going back to the airport at this point. Guy's probably gone. And he probably didn't even work for the taxi. He's probably just uh, hanging out by the booth, you dummy. And, but but I've been caught, like that feeling, you know, when you when they got you. And Paul says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, watch out for those kinds of people. Not the kind of people that can take your money, but the kind of people who can bring in deceit. The kind of people who, who will take your naive thinking, and we all have naive thinking, and introduce wrong thoughts. And that will bring in division. And, and, and it'll bring in uh, traps. I think we are all interested in drama as people, just as humanity, and seeing drama and train wrecks. And we see that all the time on Facebook and like these traps set before us of, of someone saying something. It's like, oh, I think I'll just kind of gingerly uh, disagree with that. And you do, and then it just blows up at you and it creates division even amongst our own brothers and sisters. This is not a new thing for Paul. Uh, in a good speech, you shouldn't bring up something new in your last closing arguments. Paul does not do that here. He is already been talking about don't let divisions come into the church be wise be innocent about what is evil and wise about what is good and then satan will crush under our feet all that is evil so i want to leave with this last um point here the fourth the final point the question is the gospel your gospel looking at uh skipping down to romans 16 verse 25 paul says now to him he's talking about god to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel the first time i read through that i was like wait why is paul calling it my gospel and this isn't the first time he does this he does it a couple other times in romans once in the, the book of timothy he refers to the gospel as my gospel and, and the first reading through i was like is this just paul you, you could say is he being arrogant is he saying that this is his but no he's the whole book of romans is about how god is the author of all things and how he is the one the good news is that he is the one who is saving us paul is reminding us that he has accepted this gospel he's not the kind of leader saying go come on troops go into battle but he's saying this is me this is mine follow me as i go into battle i have accepted this gospel have you 
New Life Manitou accepted this gospel. I think um, a lot of people look at Christianity, uh, people that I know, I talk to people, my office is the different coffee shops in Manitou, so I often get into conversations. Oh, what do you do? They're all oh, my pastor, and we get into uh, somewhat religious conversations. And sometimes people are just like, you know, Christianity is so confusing. The book of the Bible, it's so big. It's so, you know, thick book that you guys believe in, and there's all these different denominations. Like, wh- what's really, you know, what's the nutshell of Christianity? And I would say, well, the, the nutshell, if it was to all be summarized down, we would say that we proclaim Jesus as God. Jesus has made known to us the gospel. That Paul concludes saying the revelation of the mystery hidden from ages long ago, verse 26, has been revealed and made known now through Jesus because he has come and he is fully God. We can accept his truth. And he is the Lord. He is the one who fully can save us. And is the gospel your gospel? In a couple of minutes, we're going to close and say a prayer in unison. We're going to, today, we're going to say the Nicene Creed together, the declaration of what it is that we believe as Christians. But as this sermon ends, I'm going to conclude with the last 11 words that Paul leaves us with in the book of Romans. He has 11 words and then an amen. He says this, to the only wise God, be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. Reminds me of Romans 11 where Paul says this very famous line, for from him, through him, and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. So would you bow your heads with me this morning? Would you humble your heart? Would you listen for the voice of the Lord to, like I opened up saying, calling our own names? Would you listen now for your own name to be called and what the Lord would say to you? Lord, we do, as New Life Manitou, open our hearts, our minds to you. You are the only wise God Oh, we declare that to you be glory forever and ever through Jesus Christ. And Lord, as these, these next weeks, uh, we, we study the coming, your advent, the Christmas season, that, that Lord, we look back and we thank you that God, you, the creator of all things, came as one of us. We look back and thank you. And then we also, Lord, at the same time, look forward and say, Lord, you are coming back again and our hope is in that this Sunday as we celebrate hope. Lord, we, we thank you that you are the true hope of this world, that you are the only wise God, and to you be forever glory and honor and praise. We worship you and praise you, Lord. Amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to close and we'll, we'll declare this as a declaration of what we believe. We'll declare this as a prayer. These are the words of the Nicene Creed, if you would say them with me. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the only begotten, begotten of the Father before all ages, light of light, true God of true God, begotten not made, of one essence with the Father, by whom all things were made who for us men and our salvation came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became man. 
and was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate, suffered and was buried. On the third day he rose again, according to the scriptures. He ascended into heaven. He sits at the right hand of the Father. He shall come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father, who with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. In one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church, we acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.